Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. And today, this is going to be a really laid-back episode, and Abby and I are going to be kind of just chatting and doing some true crime trivia for all of us to enjoy. I am drinking some red wine from 2E's Winery. It's called Breha. It's one of my favorites. It's really tasty. Um, I definitely recommend it. And I am drinking a little cocktail that I made with cranberry juice, Malibu, peach juice, and peach snaps. And it's delicious. So grab whatever you're drinking and let's dive in. We will continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly, but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more Crime Over Coffee content. By signing up for our Patreon, you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content. To check out this opportunity and sign up for the Crime Over Coffee Patreon, visit www.patreon.com slash crimeovercoffeepod. Thank you again for all of your support. If you subscribe to our patreon our bonus episodes are very off script which is how this episode's gonna be minimal editing just kind of us chatting and having fun a little more laid back if you guys want more episodes like this you can join our patreon it's the seven dollar tier yeah the seven dollar tier that you can get all of our episodes ad free and you can get the bonus episodes where abby and i kind of just have no idea what's going on. The most recent one that we did for August, I completely forgot English. So if you guys want to check that out, they're kind of like a little (laughs) blooper episode each time. But anyways, this week we're going to do the same. And we first off wanted to just start with thanks for being here. Uh, Thanks for the support. Abby and I had an epiphany right before recording this that we realized we've been doing this for four years. Crime Over Coffee is four years old. Um, If you've been with us since the beginning, our first episode released August 8th, 2019, which is insane. If you've not been with us from the beginning, don't go back and listen because they're horrible. (laughs) Just skip those ones. Yeah. uh, What is it? So since that time, both Erica and I have gotten graduate degrees. Erica's bought a house. I've moved out of the state. So we've had a lot of changes, but um, we're still here for some reason, kicking it with you guys. So we appreciate that you're here too um, and surprised a little bit. Abby's right. A lot of things have happened in the last four years. and I'm sure a lot of things have happened for you guys. We do. We do really enjoy doing this, um, not only because we are both kind of true crime fanatics, problematically so probably, but it also gives Erica and I a chance to really still hang out and talk since we now live in different states so at least once a week sometimes more we're getting to interact and talk about true crime one of our favorite hobbies and hang out with you guys and it's it's been really nice a couple things one whose fault is it that we can't hang out every day anymore i think it's yours I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and you're the problem. And two, um, I would like to clarify that true crime hobby sounds weird. Like, we're not actively committing the crime in a hobby aspect. We just watch it on TV. Um, (laughs) That didn't sound better. Oh, there you go. On TV. 
This is we're not actively committing murders. We're just watching them be carried out. This is a prime example, which is why we like to do these like off script episodes for you guys, because it's a prime example of why we need a very strong editor, which leads us to Mike, our dear friend. Shout out to the best editor who tolerates us. And I don't know how he does it because sometimes I can't tolerate us. This man is a saint. Guys, he handles a lot. And you guys are going to see that. We are also, at some point in time here soon, we're working on a blooper episode. Um, yeah. And Mike, We've got him. I think, is going to make an appearance on that episode for you guys. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, we have, we have you know, 300 hours worth of bloopers that we can shuffle through. It's insane to me how many times Abby and I start an episode and we're like, all right, start over. We've gotten nowhere and we're 30 minutes in. Well, it's because we don't want to actually lose our editor. So we spare him those at least. We do. Absolutely. But here we are four years later with you guys. We did have a little hiatus, but we don't talk about that last year. Except for now. Except for right now as we're talking about it. Moving on. (laughs) So anyways, that little hiatus (laughs) happened and then we came back. So pretty consistently, I don't even know how many episodes we've done and I don't have it in me to calculate. 52 times 4 plus some is about where we're at. Plus bonuses, plus minis, plus updates. It's a lot. Um, Approx at least 208. 52 times 4? Four years, 52 weeks. You know there's not 54 weeks, right? That's why I was concerned when I thought you said 54. I was like, uh uh-oh. You didn't know about the other two weeks of the year? No, I don't think I was invited. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. All right, guys. So what Abby and I are going (laughs) to do here is instead of just talking about things that we have no idea about. We do have some fun true crime trivia that we're going to do, which... Yeah, I found a website. um, It's true crime trivia. It's from uncovered.com. As always, we'll have that link. You guys can check it out. But Erica and I are going to go through, try to answer them. I very quickly went through and copy and pasted the questions. So I try not to look at the answers. I'm curious to see how we do. So... Play along with us if you guys want. Yeah, we'll be reading them. We'll read the options. We'll kind of talk. Maybe we'll, before each, um, before we give an answer, if we know it, we'll give a little bit of a pause so you guys have a chance to kind of think it through and guess as well. And then we will tell you guys the answers. Very exciting. Abby, ask us questions. Uh, So the first one says, Gypsy Rose Blanchard, who pleaded guilty to second degree murder of her mother, Dee Dee, was a victim of what psychological disorder? A, conduct disorder, B, histrionic personality disorder, C, Ganser syndrome, or D, fictitious disorder imposed on another? And I think Eric and I probably both know the answer to this, so we'll give you guys just a few seconds to think it through. While you guys are doing that, I just learned that Bob Barker died and I am crushed. Yeah, we're totally giving you guys time to think by listening to our voices, but I did see that as well. And that was very sad. Ugh, hurt my soul. 99 years old. What a gem of a human. Alrighty. I'm going to scroll and see if I can find the answer. Oh, wait. We should probably give we our sh- thoughts. We should probably. <laughs> I actually, believe it or not, I, so I'm so bad at following things actively. Like, as they're going on. I just don't do it. Um, And so I know about Gypsy Rose Blanchard, but I've never really looked into it. And if you want my complete, vulnerable, honest truth here in this moment, I didn't know that she murdered her mom. Okay. (laughs) 
I am so disappointed. This is one of those cases that is so bizarre and bonkers. I can't believe you don't know about it. Um, I do know about I'm it. I'm definitely going to have to cover it. I know that. Well, know the details. Yeah, like I know that her mom did like convince her or poison her or something that she had some disease. This is what I think I know anyways. That her mom had convinced her or poisoned her to thinking that she had this disease and used it to like get different things from people and for whatever reason but I that's the extent and I knew that there was a TV series about it that was it Chloe Grace Moritz that played in it yes no yes Yes? maybe no I can't remember but there is a docu-series and then there is like a maybe HBO, I don't remember, a TV series that's based on it. 100% recommend both of those. They make you cringe a little bit, but the whole case is cringy. Um, so Erica, before I talk more about this case, do you want to guess which which one it is? My guess would be C, Ganser Syndrome. As I said, I am very involved in this case in the sense that I know a lot about it. So I knew that the answer was D for fictitious disorder imposed on another. So See, essentially, Gypsy Rose lived with her mom. Really quickly before you explain this, that just sounds like a fake disorder. It basically is. Well, I, it, but it seems just like a fake name for it, I guess. But yeah. anyways. Well, yeah, so she was, she was not actually sick. Her mom forced her in a wheelchair, made her go to all these like um, doctor's appointments and she fed her through a feeding tube and wouldn't let her walk. And she had nothing wrong with her. Her mom just did this essentially for like attention at one point i think they got a brand new house built for them but uh what had happened is gypsy started talking to um a gentleman on the internet named nicholas gojon gojon i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right and they became intimate online and he ended up actually they planned the murder of her mother he's the one that carried it out she was there and i think maybe was even outside when it happened but she got sentenced to 10 years but she actually i think is being considered for parole this year she was sentenced in 2015 he got life in prison but um i do the one series that's based on it but it's still actors it's called the act it's on hulu so not hbo max i was wrong there but it is a really crazy story and very interesting i've heard of this tv show but like i said i've never watched it um so i would be curious in knowing more about it now that you said that she met a guy online who convinced her to murder her mom or like they had planned it out together it that sounded more familiar and i do remember that vaguely but i never followed it very closely or watched the tv series you know part of the reason i've never i've thought about trying to cover this case on our podcast but there's just so much there's so much information it could really be like an entire podcast and so i've always fought with myself on whether or not i want to just do a very brief overview or even touch it but maybe we will because it is one of the craziest true crime things that I've heard of I think personally it was so bonkers but yeah keep an eye out for that or let us know if you would like to hear it because I'm happy to all right next question one of these offenders was arrested while inside a phone booth when the police told him to surrender he was so tall that he put his hands on top of the booth who was this killer giant a Robert Hansen aka the butcher baker B, Ed Kemper, a.k.a. the co-ed killer. C, Ed Gein, a.k.a. the butcher of Plainfield. Or D, Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker. I think I know the answer just because I know of these people, but I 
don't remember hearing this as his arrest. See, I think I know it as well, but I don't remember it either. And it's one. Yeah. I will spoil. We've covered three of the four and it's one that we've covered. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, if I'm, okay. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Actually, what's ironic is, well, I shouldn't say this since we just, it would give it away. But the other person on here, I just the other day was looking at a TikTok probably, let's be honest, about him. And I was thinking about covering it. Okay. So well, I, I will not be on that episode. I don't know if you guys know this. I have a serial killer coloring book that was given to me as a gift. Um, Erica and I obviously have covered a lot of these, so I just kind of know the physical look of a lot of these people, and I know that one of them is a massive person. All right, with that being said, Erica, which one do you think it is? I think it's it's one of the Eds. I'm trying, right? I, like, I think- Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Ed Kemper. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say Kemper, but like Kemper and Gein get so confused in my head because they're both psychopaths. Yeah. To the T. Sure. So, but I think it's Ed Kemper. Yeah, Kemper sticks out in my brain because I watched, um, shoot, it's that criminal profiling show, Mindhunter on Netflix. And Ed Kemper, quote unquote, is actors, but he's featured in it. So that's how I remember him pretty well. And then Gein did the furniture. Um, if you know, you know, and I, I'm sorry if you do. <laughs> but the answer is, in fact, Ed Kemper. So he's actually, he was, I don't know if he's still alive, I can't remember, but he was six feet and nine inches and weighed about 300 pounds so one of his nicknames was actually big ed like he's a big old boy if you all look at the source that i got these trivia questions from they do have a photo of ed standing by two um security people or officers and he's got his arms stretched out and their heads the top of their heads are like below his shoulders massive man who did a lot of really messed up stuff on to the next one. Which couple is known for the abduction and murder of at least five children between 1963 and 1965? Is it A, Fred West and Rosemary West? B, David Parker Ray and Cynthia Hendy? C, Ted Bundy and Carol Bundy? Or D, Ian Brady and Mira Henley? While you guys think on that, I know one that it's not, but other than that, yeah. I have no idea what this one is. Yeah, same. I have a guess. So this will be um, a learning. I'm going to have a guess, but it has no merit behind it. <laughs> What's Scout's Honor? <laughs> I'm doing sign language to Abby and she doesn't know it. Oh, she had her hands up like, you know, the Scout thing. I don't know what it actually is. Well, for is, those but... that know sign language, now they know what the letter that I was saying is. Well, I don't know if I'm right with how many fingers go up for Scout honor oh um so i can't remember either i will guess i'll guess david parker ray and cynthia hendy for no reason other than i'm just guessing it what about you oh i was not doing that's not scouts honor okay um i was gonna guess also the same that's this is letter b oh sorry i definitely was thinking that was d and that's why i was picking a different one. <laughs> oh nope that's b <laughs> So we're going to go down together. Or we're going to win together. Yeah, exactly. I just, I don't know what it is about the name David Parker Ray and Cynthia Hendy, but they sound, are we wrong? Okay. So the answer is D, Ian Brady and Mira Henley okay. committed what's known as the Moores, M-O-O-R-S, murders. Okay. So, in 1961, 18-year-old Mira Henley met 23-year-old <laughs> Ian Brady while working at a wholesale chemical distribution company. And, oh, can't unread some of these. Okay. They I was just looking figured it up. out. 
Between 1963 and 1965, they abducted five children between the ages of 10 and 17. Pauline Reed, John Kilbride, Keith Bennett, Leslie Ann Downey, and Edward Evans, and at least four of them were sexually assaulted. Oh, this happened in England. Yeah, that did just notice um, that. They never found the body of Keith Bennett, but they were found guilty and sentenced to life in prison, and they both have died since. Wow. Ugh. Okay. There's probably a reason we haven't looked into that one, because that's rough. There's just some cases that I know I've 100% heard of, and then I throw them out of my brain as quick as possible, because yep, no part of me wants to know. Get Ed Kemper out of there. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, next question. If you guys can hear uh, true, really heavy breathing next to my microphone or sniffing, my dog is feeling it's Erica. slightly needy. <laughs> Per usual. Hi, Bean. We just usually edit it out, but... He was just giving his guess for the last question. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, he got it right, so I'm impressed. Okay, next question. True or false? Dr. Henry C. Lee, famous criminologist and forensic scientist, says when he goes to investigate a crime scene, he doesn't believe what the police tell him. Oh, I have an answer, or a guess, but we gotta give them a second. You guys don't oh, need as much right. time, I don't think, for a true or false, but... Well, I feel like I think it sounds. Yeah, I, I feel like it's got to be true because of this. Feel like, like the it question, has to right? be true. Also, I think it. It is true. I was gonna say it makes sense because if he goes to the scene and he doesn't like, it's the best way to get an unbiased like thought, right? Is to not listen to anything the police are telling him. You bet. We've got a quote from him on here. It says, quote, I always go in with an open mind. I don't even believe what the police tell me. They always try to tell you a story. I let the evidence speak for itself. Otherwise, you can overlook exculpatory evidence, end quote. I I feel like that's fair. Approved. That's a good way to go about it. Yep. I'm on his side. Go Dr. Lee. Um, okay. Heads up, guys. I am not going to probably get either of these. I haven't even read the question. No, I was just looking at them. They're decades and years, and I'm terrible with those. Okay, but maybe some of you guys have this. Yeah. What decade did Robert Ressler popularize the term serial killer while in the FBI's behavioral science unit? Was it A, the 1960s, B, the 1970s, C, the 1980s, or D, the 1990s? We'll let you guys think about that. Um, I haven't guess i have a guess thinking about some shows i've watched but uh i would not bet any money on it 60s 70s 80s or 90s guys all right rick what are you going for i'm going for 70s i think i'll go 80s then i was gonna go 70s or 80s but I, I'm, I'm feeling confident in 70s all right let's see it is the 70s doo, doo, doo. winner so he okay I'll read this to you, but it basically says the same thing, but um, says that he played a significant role in creation of psychological profiling of violent offenders in the 70s, which is when he helped to coin the term serial killer. The word, however, is a direct translation of the German term, um, something German. Syrian murder? <laughs> yeah, no way I said that right. I apologize. But that was coined in 1930 by Ernst Gannat. And apparently Robert Ressler has a book that he wrote about, about catching serial killers, which would be really interesting to read. So maybe we should check that out. It's called Whoever Fights Monsters. My 20 years tracking serial killers for the FBI. I bet that's a fantastic name. His name sounds very familiar. Also, I want the 70s. He looks familiar. This is criminal profile 
profilers Ann Burgess and Robert Rustler interview a serial killer and 100% serial killer Henry Watson or Wallace. Um, but 100% have heard of both Ann Burgess and Robert Rustler. So in one area yeah. of my life. But anyways, that book sounds very good. Okay. Okay. What year was the first woman selected for jury duty in the United States? Was it A, 1870, B, 1923, C, 1945, or D, 1964? I feel like this is one that might surprise us. I That's why, yeah, I'm feeling... Erica's teaching me sign language again, so this is kind of nice. We both have locked our guesses in, but we'll say them out loud now. I remember quite a few. All right, yeah, what, I, I'm, I'm going to go with 64. I'm going with 45. I'm, I'm giving a slight bit of hope in the U.S. <laughs> I'm not. I'm noticing, but... If it's 23, I'm going to be All shocked. Right. Is it 23? It's 1870? It is 1870. Props to us. I'm shocked. In March of 1870, Eliza Stewart Boyd became the first woman ever selected to serve on a jury in the United States in Laramie, Wyoming. Wow. All right. Interesting. I mean, I'm sure there's like some um, biased tactics behind that too, though. Oh, most likely. I'm not going to give them all the benefit of the doubt. All righty. We've got our next one. Miranda versus Arizona 1966 was a United States Supreme Court case that established Miranda rights to protect individuals' Fifth Amendment right to refuse to answer self-incriminating questions. What was Ernesto Miranda initially arrested for? A. Robbery. B. Kidnapping and rape. C. Murder. Or D. Drug trafficking. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say or do will be held against you in the court of law. We're watching SVU. I I feel like I should know this, and maybe I did at one point, but it's escaping me right now. I'm pretty sure. Okay. That was my guess. Once again, sign language. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. If you cannot afford a lawyer, uh, one so will be appointed Erica? for you. Oh, uh, kidnapping and rape. B is my guess. That was my guess, so I'm going to stick with it, too. Um, looks like... Yes, it was kidnapping and rape charges. I was almost 100%. He was arrested in he was arrested in 1963 after the brother of the 18-year-old victim spotted Ernesto Miranda's truck. At the time, he was a person of interest and not formally in custody when he voluntarily went to the police station. When he voluntarily went to the police station and eventually confessed, but he did so without being informed of his right to remain silent or have an attorney present. And this is how we ended up with this case. I don't know if he got off on that then. Do you have any idea of how that ended up? I don't think... I'm pretty sure he didn't get arrested. Ernesto Miranda. I just looked up. Oh, it does say he was convicted. Okay. And sentenced to 20 to 30 years in prison. Looks like he died in prison, though. Yeah. So anyways. Well, there you go. Good to know. I feel like I'm learning a lot from this. I know. I. That's the thing. We... I. Like, I know I've heard about these or I've studied them. My undergrad was in criminal justice. So, like, I've looked into most of this or known it at one point in time. But my undergrad was done five and a half years ago. And my brain doesn't (laughs) work that well for me to remember all of this. (laughs) All righty. So, next question. What is the CSI effect? Is it A, the urge for an individual person to solve a crime? B, when a cold case is reopened years later and is solved using new evidence... C, jurors in a criminal trial expecting perfect scientific evidence. Or D, the belief that any crime scene can be perfectly profiled to find a killer. I'm going to read that one again just because it was kind of a lot. What is the CSI effect? A, the urge for an individual person to solve a crime. B, when a cold case is reopened years later and is solved using new evidence. 
C, jurors in a criminal trial expecting perfect scientific evidence, or D, the belief that any crime scene can be perfectly profiled to find a killer. I think for me, I'm going to go with C. C? I'll go D then. Yeah. What do you think? I was going to go C or D, so... We'll go. I'll go the opposite of you. Uh, it is C. Okay. Jurors in a criminal trial expecting the perfect scientific evidence. I sent you a really cute video of my dog. I tried to show it to you, but you were reading, and I didn't want him to move, so I sent it yeah, to you on I Snapchat. Yeah, I was seeing, I was seeing flashes. I was like, "What is happening?" I was trying right. to show you, but on to the next you one. weren't paying attention, which fine, I guess. Well, I was. Yeah, no, no, I know. <laughs> okay. Funny how that works. Yeah. Doctors used to study the shape of a person's head to determine whether or not... Brain doctors. Oh, is that why there's a brain emoji there? Yeah. It's the dumbest (laughs) shit I've ever seen. (laughs) Okay, anyway. Brain doctors used to study the shape of a person's head to determine whether or not a person was likely to commit crimes. What is this study called? A. Craniology. B. Phrenology. C. Physiognomy. I still said that wrong, but I'm sticking with it. Or D, craniometry. All right, I have an answer. Sorry, guys. I cannot pronounce words at all. Well, they're also weird words. I have a guess, though. Give it a couple more seconds. All right. Erica, what's your guess? D, craniometry. They're talking about shape, maybe measurement, so I feel like that's a good guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll go with that, too. Okay. Okay, the answer is... Not that one. (laughs) It's B, phrenology. Phrenology, okay. Says, despite its initial popularity, phrenology started losing support from scientists in the 20th century due due to methodological criticisms and failure to replicate various findings. Which, yeah, I guess that makes, makes sense. sense that they're probably not using that anymore. Also, <laughs> seems kind of faulty. I just looked up craniometry and it is literally this like measurement of the skull, which we went too literal. We, I would think we went too literal because physio like it. That one makes perfect sense. You guys did great with the Latin there. Uh, Abby and I are just dumb. Hopefully our listeners Usually. are smarter than us. I bet they are. I would. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. This one's a fun one. If you like music, maybe you'll know it. Um, But anyway, which song by the Beatles led Charles Manson to believe that a race war was coming? Is it A, Hey Jude, B, Let It Be, C, Helter Skelter, or D, Strawberry Fields Forever? Give you some time to think on that. Heads up, guys. I have zero idea. I have a guess in my mind, but it's going to be wrong. I don't know any of these songs. I, I will say, nope, I won't say. I'm going to leave it. I'll let it be. That wasn't a hey, I'm just saying. I was just making a pun. Okay. Did you well, look at the what answer you, what already? You, what's your guess then? Oh. No, I just know it. Oh. I'm going to go Helter Skelter only because I like the name. Is that it? It is, in fact, Helter Skelter. He talks about that. I, I think he even maybe wrote like a little autobiography or something titled that. But that was the big connector with him was Helter Skelter. The little blurb they say is Paul McCartney spoke about the incident in his biography saying, quote, I was using the symbol of a Helter Skelter, which is a playground slide, apparently, as a ride from the top to the bottom and the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. This was the demise, the going down. You could have thought of it as a rather cute title, but it's since taken on all sorts of ominous overtones because Manson picked it up as an anthem. 
end quote. What a bonkers thing to have happen as a musician. That is wild, yeah. I, hmm. All right. I've always gotten a kick out of trying to think of, um, like, the actual meanings of books and songs and poems, you know, because in school they're like, all right, read this. What does the author really mean or what are they really saying? And I like to think that they really were just like, I don't know. I was just drunk. (laughs) There's no actual other meaning. It's just what it is. It's just rambles. I mean, and that's how anything I would ever write would be like no purpose. Don't try to breed into my mind. Yep. Alice in Wonderland is Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) Okay, next one. Who did David Berkowitz, known as the son of Sam, claim to receive orders from to kill others? A, a police officer. B, the voices in his head. C, his father, Sam. Or D, his neighbor's dog. We haven't covered son of Sam, have we? No. Maybe we should do that sometime. However, I'm trying to think. I feel like it's one of two, but... Uh huh. I really kind of hope it's the neighbor's dog. What? <laughs> I, I don't think like that it dog's is. Just but a maybe really it big is. asshole. <laughs> All right. What, what's your guess? I'm gonna go. I'm debating here between a police officer and the voices in his head. Those are the two that I'm between. Yeah. I. I'm thinking it's a. Yeah. A police officer. That's what I'm thinking. If I remember correctly, Let's he see. had some like wild story. Is it the neighbor's dog? Oh my gosh! It's the neighbor's dog. <sighs> All right. He says it was from his neighbor's dog and that it's ironic because he was saying he was taking orders from someone named Sam, but the neighbor's dog was actually named Harvey. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, okay. Did the dog get a conviction? Of course not. It's a dog. <laughs> what if, we love dogs. What if the dog really was talking to him like overnight? Like the dog was. I love the idea that. Yeah. <laughs> a serial killer he actually was just like just messing with this guy (laughs) okay well anyways it's like a supernatural episode oh yeah got just a few more left here i know there's one coming up which real life notorious criminal is portrayed by johnny depp in the 2009 movie public enemies hint this criminal's group was accused of robbing 24 banks in four police stations A, John Dillinger, B, Al Capone, C, Babyface Nelson, or D, Clyde Barrow. I do know this one. And Public Enemies is a fantastic movie. I've never seen the movie. 10 out of 10 recommend it. Oh, it's so good. But I I, I love that movie. We'll give you guys just another couple seconds to think about what you want to go with. Off of the robbing 24 banks and four police stations is what I'm basing it off of. I will say all these people were involved in a lot of criminal activity that would have included some of those or adjacent to. I just feel like if somebody called me Babyface Abby, I would be a little (laughs) offended. I would, yeah. That's fair. All right, what's your guess? I'm going John Dillinger. But, okay. Yes, you are correct. He was an American gangster and Johnny Depp portrayed him. I think, oh yeah, the 2009 movie it said. But he was like imprisoned a few times. He actually escaped twice. He personally orchestrated at least 12 separate bank robberies between June of 1933 and June of 1934. And he ended up dying from police gunfire while trying to escape a theater in July of 1934, which happened in Chicago. Um, Fantastic movie, an interesting history. I think Johnny Depp portrayed him really well, personally, but I do recommend it. 
Fun fact, I went to Chicago earlier this year with some friends and we did a true crime tour and they like took us around and told us about Al Capone and John Dillinger and Clyde and mm-hmm. everything. And um, they took us to the theater where John Dillinger was shot and we got to walk around there. It was fun. Yeah, I did a shoot. What's it called? Oh, Nightly Spirits. They mm-hmm. have them in a bunch of cities. Erica and I have done one together. You go to different bars and walk around and the person that's hosting is giving you um, stories of hauntings or murders in the areas that you're going. And we did one, not Eric and I, but I did one in Chicago that was based on this and we got to see the theater as well. It's a really cool company. Um, I really recommend it. I, I've i never done one that I didn't like. I think I've done maybe five of them. Yeah, it's so nightly spirits. Very fun. Okay, next question I included in here. I saw it and I thought I knew it and I didn't. So I'm curious to see if Erica actually knows it or not. Probably not. Oh, wait, the next one? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I do know it. Okay, so this Alaskan serial killer known as the Butcher Baker would kidnap women and fly them deep inside the wilderness and let them go. Unfortunately, this created an illusion of hope. Hint, thanks to a survivor who escaped and left her shoes behind as evidence, this monster was arrested. Say A, Israel Keys, B, Robert Hansen, C, Peter Sutcliffe, or D, Richard Ramirez. I feel like I've seen this movie 4,000 times. Like the plot of this, I've seen in movie form. Yeah, probably. What a bonkers thing. I was just watching, again, probably TikTok. I'll just be honest. But they were talking about this serial killer who would kidnap his victims. And it was very reminiscent of um saw and he would play this like really horrific tape of him talking saying oh you're in this predict uh, predicament you probably were thinking how you can get out of it but you can't oh it's insane i need to look it up and maybe we'll cover it sometime if i can stomach it all right what is your guess uh robert hansen and you are correct this was one i accidentally did look at when i was copying it over here's the thing because i was like israel "Mm -hmm." keys i know all of his life story so i knew it wasn't him but as soon as you said butcher baker that was robert hansen's name richard ramirez was the night stalker and i knew it wasn't peter sutcliffe so yeah basically what had happened is i read alaskan serial killer and i was like oh it's probably israel keys and so i just copied it over and then i looked and i was like oh i did not read the rest of that question (laughs) at all but that's an interesting case that I think we should cover sometime. Yeah, I, I'm i surprised we've not done Robert Hansen or Richard Ramirez. Guys, keep an eye out because I think those ones are probably coming soon. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned Richard in the episodes about the Cecil Hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next question. Andrew Cunanan, maybe, was an American spree killer who murdered five people over the course of three months in the spring of 1997. Who was his final victim? A, John Lennon. B, Sharon Tate, C, The Notorious B.I.G., or D, Gianni Versace? I think I know the answer by elimination. Abby has a very confused look on her face. I don't even, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) So mine's going to be a complete guess. Erica, what's yours? I'm going to go C, Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, um, I, I, you, you're right process of elimination that kind of makes sense but i guess i'll just i'll go john lennon that was my other guess but i know it's not sharon or gianni 
Yeah, I knew it wasn't Sharon. I didn't think Gianni Versace got... Did they get murdered in America? Well, it might have been New York or something. Okay. Um, It was Gianni Versace. Really? Yeah. Okay. Murdered in... Miami, of Florida. His, my, his Miami mansion in 97. I didn't think that that was in uh, um, US. I don't know why I was... I was thinking it was somewhere else too, but... Well, he's from Italy, Italy, so... Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. Next. In his 23-year career in the Colorado Springs Police Department, Lieutenant Joe Kenda of Homicide Hunter says he only worked on one serial killer case. Who is that 1980 serial killer? Is it A, Jeffrey Dahmer, B, Carol Cole, C, Ronald Lee White, or D, Joseph James D'Angelo? I have a guess just based on what would be enough for me but i'm also really bad at remembering where serial killers geography geography (laughs) period but people always ask me they're like where did this person murder and i'm like the u.s i don't know i can remember some of them but definitely i mean obviously i know where Dahmer operated but the other ones i'm not really sure so i'm gonna 100 percent guess too yeah so i i think i'll go with d joseph james d'angelo that's who i was what do you think i was going with let's see it's ronald lee white okay i don't even know that i've heard of him uh i don't unless he has a different name sounds horrible okay so it says white would stab and dismember his victims before scattering their body parts across multiple locations in pueblo county colorado kenda recently detailed his search and investigation discoveries two hour homicide hunter special which i will be watching very interested all right we're on our last question um, I hope you all enjoyed this. It's been definitely a learning experience for myself and I'm sure Erica too. Oh, yeah. I didn't know a lot of this, which is really, really fun. Okay, last question. In criminal profiling, an offender signature is when an offender names themselves for the media, when an offender is extremely violent in their behavior, behavior that's unnecessary to the crime, or when an offender signs their name at the scene. Okay, I know the answer to this, but just to like state behavior that's unnecessary to the crime i feel like all behavior is unnecessary to a crime do you want to just state that like the crime itself is unnecessary um so i find it interesting that that's how it's like i do feel like it's kind of worded weird but anyways (laughs) abby what is your answer i i I guess i'll go with c yeah behavior that's unnecessary to the crime again i think it's all unnecessary but that would be the offender's signature all right so the answer is c unnecessary to a crime a signature excuse my burp a signature has also been called a calling card the purpose of the behavior is that it serves a greater psychological or emotional need for the offender because that connected most to what a signature is in my brain that's what i went for but again i felt like that was worded kind of odd but hey i don't know shit well so i mean out of all the options that they gave it wasn't any of the other ones and that i mean is the best way to describe it but it was it's more like their signature is the thing that they do like at every crime if they're they're a serial killer and they commit they do the same thing at every crime that's their signature it's the thing that they go back to i don't i don't like that it's unnecessary to the crime because i really once again think the entire thing's unnecessary but 
a whole different story. Alrighty. Well, this is our true crime trivia roundup. I really enjoyed it. Maybe we'll do some more in the future. I think it would be a great bonus series to do. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should look into that. Let us know what you all think. Um, I'm a big trivia fan, obviously a big true crime fan. So it was really fun. And um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, I guess apparently for four years because Erica and I are crazy and are still doing this, but we do love doing it. And as always, we really appreciate you all. Thanks to listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>